Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We were joined by a Team GB Olympian who's hoping to be in the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics. That's uh, James Dasaulu in the bobsleigh and, of course, in his main discipline as uh, one of uh, the country's top sprinters. He was on good form, explained how he got into bobsleigh. Miles Jupp joined us, Andy, to talk about the cricket. Yeah. Very enjoyable about his uh, podcast with Mark Wood, and we talked about the day's play. Uh, Martin Kellner, of course, with his regular slot on a Friday. Excellent. That was fun. And Mike Ward. Mike Ward uh, gave us some non-sporting telly to watch uh, this weekend as well. So here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Yes, good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. And uh, I suppose I should talk about Chelsea first. I've got some other things to say, but I'll get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. Get it off your chest. Beaten midweek. This is the first time you've had to vent. I mean, you could have phoned the sports bar. Have you ever thought about that? It would be great therapy (laughs) for you. Great therapy. You know know Andy wouldn't wind you up. And if Jason's not there, of course, he wouldn't have (laughs) a shoulder to cry on, would you? (laughs) No. I mean, apart from the Lampard family and Jason Cundy himself, there's no one who wants Lampard to succeed more than I do, really, honestly. It's a butt coming, is it? No, well, there is a butt coming because, you know, I mean, basically he's being faced hit with what something all managers have to deal with. I mean, even Jurgen Klopp, the brilliant manager that he is, is having similar problems at the moment. Suddenly all your good players are out of form all at the same time. Mm. And that is a difficult thing to deal with. And unfortunately, he hasn't reacted well. It's got to be said. Some of the decisions, some of the selections, I don't think any Chelsea fans can understand why Tamori is good enough for the leaders of Serie A, but not good enough for a team that's shipping goals. I was reading though earlier on, Andy, that um, he has plans for him. I mean, Frank Lampard has said he wants to him go there and get some more game time and then come back and play at Chelsea again. This isn't goodbye, apparently. No, but even if it isn't, I wouldn't even send him out on loan. Why Why was he good enough when they won nine, ten games in a row last year, which probably was the bedrock of their season that finished fourth, got into the England team, and then suddenly he doesn't even get a look in. He plays like two minutes in a cup tie, whereas Rudiger, who we all think is pretty iffy, let's be honest, and wanted to leave, mm. is now the first choice, and nobody can really understand that. You know, So it, it is a bit confusing. I mean, we hope he, he turns it around. Uh, you know, I, I've got a feeling they're going to give him to the end of the season yeah. and he's still got the time therefore to turn it around and if he doesn't I, I wouldn't make a change now really I'd either write the season off or hope that he gets it right mm. and then start again next year and you get much more choice in the summer of managers than you would at this particular point I think so now, that's, that's the way I, I do it uh, Andy, did you see by the way that uh, Dean Smith has reluctantly accepted the FA charge um, for having a pop at uh, John Moss and his assistants after the game against City. Yeah. But I think he could have argued it out because um, the papers, the way the papers put it today, said he basically described them as clowns. But when you look at what he actually said, uh, he didn't quite say that, did he? He said to him, did you get juggling balls for Christmas? Now, I wouldn't like to play charades with Dean Smith because <laughs> if he was up there doing something, you have to guess who he's being. And, like, you're, you're, and he's doing this, he's juggling, you're saying, juggler. Uh, no, no, no. Street entertainer. No, you could be there for half an hour before you get the clown. Coco. Surely you want to... Well, you can't say that, can you? But, but the first thing you want to say at the line, if you really want to have a pop with a fourth official, did you get red noses for Christmas? Yeah. Did you get some big shoes? 
<laughs> did you all arrive in a very small car? Did you all arrive in a very small car? Today? The doors <laughs> fell off and all smoke came out of the black. When the bloke plans, the Saints go marching in on, on a clarinet in front of you. That's where you yeah. start with clowns. Um, yeah. Because if, if, if Dean Smith came up to me and said, did you get juggling balls for Christmas? I'd say, oh, no, I've got, you know, Richard Osman's book and some socks. What's it got to do with you? <laughs> he could have argued out, is all I'm saying, Andy. He could have toughed it out, but uh, he's, 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 taking oh, yeah. it on, he's taking it on the chin. And uh, <laughs> next time he sees John Moss, he'll probably empty a bucket of water down the front of his trousers. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, yeah. And a paper in the bucket. Yeah. There was one comical moment in that game. Now, I don't know if you talked about it yesterday on BT's coverage. The commentator, I don't know who he was, but he went, Ilkay Gundogan, great strike. What a goal by Ilkay Gundogan. And they cut to Bernardo Silva and he goes, Bernardo Silva with his first goal this season and he took it brilliantly. I'm saying, oh, it's okay. We didn't notice that you got oh, the yeah. name wrong. No need to apologise. I think, I think we're all quite on rocky ground that none of us ever make mistakes. So no, I th- but you've I got... Th- I think yeah, you but can you've make got to acknowledge them and acknowledge it is the broadcasting mantra. We oh, don't okay. just pretend it never happened. Okay, well, we'd be here all night. We'd be here all night. I think we might no, have no, to do no. that at some no, point. No, no. <laughs> and I went through the Trump pardon list. I thought I'd see if I oh, could yeah. find any Were you on it? sporting. No, I wasn't actually, funnily enough. I, okay. I thought I could find see if I could find some sporting ones. I found an Amir Khan, but not that one. Okay, right, and, right. Uh, and Anthony Lewandowski, no relationship, I believe. So oh, okay. That right. was it. There were no sporting people who can, you know, so I thought there might well, be. But generally, you know, people in sport don't need a, a governmental pardon, do they? Well, <laughs> if they've committed some sort of indiscretion, you know. You oh, yeah. Know. I mean, Fair enough. Well, yeah. I, mean, it was I, I great. can't think of anybody who. <laughs> it's great that you've been using your time wisely. By <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. Bringing it, even bringing back the people that Trump pardoned to sport is, is admirable, Andy. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. This was a letter yeah. yesterday. Uh, to uh, the Telegraph and somebody said living in an area famous for its annual brass band contest far from wishing to mute the sound of the instruments which was another letter someone had sent in I find it a welcome delight to hear my neighbours practising on their trombone or flugelhorn which is fine when they're in a brass band and they're quite proficient not quite so good of course if there's a seven year old next door screeching out scales on a cheap violin uh, with all the windows open or, or something like that. I remember when I was about, I don't know, I was about 10 or 11, I got this old junk shop drum kit that uh, we just saw it in. A, it was like, it cost no money. So, so we, it was a tiny little drum kit and I played a bit of piano and stuff. So I, I, I had some Christmas money or whatever. So the, this drum kit came home and we put it up the shed. Uh, so we got, didn't want to plan, tried to play an house and my mum and dad said, oh, stop all that row. So <laughs> I went down to my dad's shed, a little corner of the shed right at the end of the garden. And, we, you know, it was probably quite terrible. And then uh, one day a stone came through the window <laughs> on the shed. Not much, really? of, not much of a critique of my drumming. So we never found out who the neighbour was. Maybe they want to fess up now. Next- didn't live next door to Ginger Baker. <laughs> <laughs> they may, um, I don't know, they obviously had a good arm. They either were the immediate neighbours. We had our suspicions or someone with a very good arm uh, and obviously good ears. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you've experienced that uh, over the years, uh, our, some of our previous neighbours, their son was learning the trumpet. And uh, in the summer, with the windows open, when they've been only learning for a couple of weeks, that can be quite fearsome as well. Oh, yeah, no, no. So, uh, our, our, during lockdown, our neighbour who lives upstairs, uh, she's got a great voice, but, I mean, you know, it's, it's a bit operatic and is she, is she a pro out. or is she just singing along the radio? No, I, I, no, I think she's just very good. I think she's sort of a very good and She wants you to know it. Semi-pro. <laughs> yeah. What's she like? National League North. I quite enjoyed... I mean, she did the British Airways thing. I quite like that. It was quite nice. I remember that being nice. But the rest of it what? is a lot of Lacme, scales. the old theme. Or you, you, you talk yeah, about yeah. The, the opera, you're talking about we'll take more care of you. She doesn't do that. She doesn't do the adverts, <laughs> does she? Doesn't do shake and vac and all that. Fair enough. Yeah, she does, she does them all. Uh, talking about last night, Football, though, I, I must say, I really, I mean, Nick Pope played brilliantly. We he might did talk about that later, but I particularly enjoyed his age long taking of the goal kick at 1 0. Mm. It was nearly as good as his save from Salah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a real art form taking a long time over yeah. a goal kick. They should maybe put a getting up slowly, of course, in the dying seconds when you've caught a ball mid air. In any other point of the game, you catch it midair and then you run out and you throw it straight out to a teammate. But at that stage of the game, you catch the ball and you kind of slowly collapse, you like an old deck chair. Then you lay there on your side for a couple of minutes, like you've hurt your shoulder. Like Nan, you know, so and then you get up, you take your time. But there was that exactly. one save last night, which is the mark of just how good he is. When Salah sort of shaped, it looked like, for all intents 
and purposes. Yeah, they he was going to go curl across it to it. the right. Yeah. And he gave him the eyes, didn't he? And put it the other side. And really inside, Pope yeah, it was lovely. Never, he either didn't buy it or, you know, kind of equal distribution of his weight and got to it with his left hand. What a save. He is, he is on fire. <laughs> Kepper would have just dived to the right anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is, he is but, playing very uh, yeah, well at yeah. the moment. Oh, Jordan Pickford under... Under yeah. a bit of pressure, I think. It anyway. was, I mean, that, it was interesting that goal. You mentioned Dean Smith there. It was interesting that, that, that nobody knows the rules. Because I wrote, once once Mings touched the ball, surely it was another phase. And that's did what Did you was, know that? I did know that. Really? I don't know. I don't know why did they uh, didn't know that. Even in passing. I, I mean, I think... I wasn't even going to check. I knew it. So I was going to check with Bob from Arbroath. But I thought, no, that is the rule, isn't it? I thought oh, it was. You and know it is. the laws, Andy. Like David oh, Ellery. <laughs> Thanks. What a great compliment. It's <laughs> the worst thing you could ever say to anybody, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, I deliberately wrecked this show. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll find out in the next two and a bit hours, won't we? The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. James Nassau, the uh, British Olympic sprinter, is hoping to compete in two Olympic Games uh, over the next uh, year. The first one in uh, Tokyo, of course, fingers crossed, and then off to Beijing for the Winter Olympics. He's, as well as the sprinting, he's, uh, he's involved with bobsleigh, and he joins us now. James, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. How are you? Yeah, we're good, thank you. Yeah, I mean, first yeah. up, there, there's kind of a few conflicting reports today about Tokyo. Well, one of the newspapers reporting, the Times reporting, that they think they, they may have to call it sooner rather than later. Others saying it'll probably go ahead, but without fans. You get, you're getting a bit nervous, you and your fellow athletes, because, you know, you've trained so hard for this and it's already been postponed once. Yes, hopefully I'm dead. they're just rumoured, you know, and they're just like news reporters just trying to get hits and stuff on their articles. But um, until the IOC comes out and says anything, you kind of just got to go with what the IOC has to say. And as far as I'm concerned, they've said it's still going ahead. But, um, yeah, as an athlete, um, you just don't want it to be postponed again, you know. But even if it does, you know, there's still going to be a track season, so athletes will continue to to train, you know. Yeah, sure. But you are sort of covering your Olympic options because I, I reckon it's much more likely, time-wise <laughs> as well as anything, for there to be a Winter Olympics because it's so open. And it's February, outdoors. isn't it? I mean, we'd like yeah. to think the world would be a slightly different place then. <laughs> yeah, we'd hope so, wouldn't we? So how, how did you get into bobsleigh? What, what inspired you? Well, for bobsleigh, um, obviously, um, my coach, Michael Kamel, um, he's a bobsleigh coach and also an ex-bobsleigh athlete. Um, he's the guy who coached me at the beginning part of my career, currently my coach now. Um, I was also quite good friends with a pilot called Lamin Dean. Mm. And um, yeah, and also oh, my yeah. brother-in-law, Joel Farron, he's a, obviously a sub-10 sprinter and he's also been to the Olympics and also gotten a, an Olympic medal. So I kind of had all these people in my support network kind of Always telling me when you, whenever, whenever you feel the time for you to, to try out for the GB team, you're more than welcome. So, yeah, I just had all these influences around me in terms of, um, uh, yeah, influencing factors. We yeah, we had Lamin on the show. He's a good guy. He's very interesting. We'll come back to him in a minute because the old pilot's um, role is pretty important. But what's it like first time, James? First time you you try something like this because it's so far out your comfort zone, isn't it? Really. Um, I, I like to call myself a bit of a thrill seeker. I like the old roller coaster, you know, I'm not afraid of heights. I like to, to daring and do stuff, but this really does take it to to the limit in terms of how fast you're going, the G pressures you feel. My very first track was probably one of the most harshest tracks I'd say in Europe, in Oldenburg, um, which which um, they, they um, kind of made me go down at night time to add right. insult upon injury. But um, no, obviously... <laughs> With with my driver being Lamin D, the guy's been driving for a decade. That's kind of my saving grace, and that's what I've got to say. Lamin's got me, you know. Um, the guy's experience has been doing it, been down tracks tens of hundreds of times, so um, he knows what he's doing. So um, I'm never in no danger. So we're talking two man rather than four man. Yeah? I think it's four man, isn't it? You're doing. It's two. I've done a two man, and I've also done the four man as well. But obviously, um, our best chances and hopes are in the four man, but um you kind of start off doing a two-man just to kind of get your experience because with the four-man, um, there's a, so much more going on because there's four people trying to get into quite a small bobsleigh. Yeah, that's, so, the, that's the best bit when they all try and get in at the start. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that, that, that bit is very crucial and important in terms of, um, yeah, everyone's got to get in, but it's not just how you get in. You've got to get in in the correct way to mm. preserve your velocity and you're not... Um, wasting time at the start and stuff. So, yeah, once you're in, that's a big thing, which is obviously why um, Lamin's kind of brought me on board to help out with the start. I mean, obviously, you're quick and you're a sprinter, but did you have to learn a slightly different technique? Is it a different kind of sprinting, if you like, in bobsleigh to to uh, to sprinting well, straight up? 
Well, I'll say um, the, the the running aspect is the running aspect in mm. terms of um, before the bob goes like that. That's running. That's natural. That that's been coached. Yeah. For me, the more aspect that I've had to learn is what we call the hit, which is basically when you initially get the bob bob going from the from the block. So that's a skill which I've had to require. And there is a certain different angle which you've got to be able to position a bob in, but it's not too dissimilar to to running in terms of um, a big a big. Um, a big step. Sure. How do you combine the training? I mean, do you have a certain amount of the week you do bobsleigh, a certain amount you do track? How do you work it? So typically, I'm obviously in being in the UK, we've only got one bobsled track in the whole of the UK, which is in Bath. Obviously, I'm based in Loughborough. So for me, my week was simply set up that um, I normally do three running sessions a week, two to three gym sessions a week. So two of them sessions were dedicated to track and field, um, being Monday and Friday, and then I'd go on a Wednesday to Bath to learn how to to push the row bob and a and a, and a, and a bobsleigh at the push track in Bath. So that's kind of how my the, the vibe was. And obviously now I'm in season since October. Now it's no since November. Sorry, it's kind of been all bobsleigh for the last two or three months on on the ice. Yeah, I would imagine that the, the virus has obviously affected where you like. I mean, you probably wanted to go after Switzerland and do a bit of that. You probably, from a sprinter's mm. point of view, wanted to go and a bit of warm weather training. But that and that's not probably not been possible, was it? Well, I've seen a few people like head off to Dubai and stuff. Um, but yeah, obviously there's been restrictions, laws, um, like quarantines. And um, obviously I leave that to like kind of team management to, to sort out where we can go, you know, because of um, yeah, every every place we go has got a different set of rules, so to speak. But um, we get tested two, three times a week, you know, just to make sure. So right. um, we're all just safe as a team and as a bubble. We're not spreading around um, COVID-19 around Europe. So, yeah. How does it's finally on the bob say? How does the qualifying work? To I mean, you, will you need to qualify? Will there be a qualifying process before you can go to Beijing? Well, I think traditionally you would um, qualify the season before, and it's normally top twenty sleds in the world, um, which were finished sixteenth in our last race, which is our first time as a new crew. We expect to at least finish top ten um, as the season goes on, but. Um, no, we're going to basically have to qualify next year, which is the same as um, every other Bob in terms of um, yeah finishing top fifteen. I think the BOA is set out for us, which is um, is more than achievable for us. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's how it's going to work. Um, just race upon race, finishing top fifteen, and um, yeah, we'll we'll be able to go to Beijing. Excellent. I mean, your sprint career has been going on for some time now, and you've had some brilliant times. I believe you're the second fastest Briton of all time, according to Wikipedia. So probably not right, but anyway, yeah, it is. I but, think it is. Uh, <laughs> It is. I think that's one of the few times Wiki is right. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it, yeah. good. That's excellent. But at, at 33, I mean, do you feel you're going to get better? Because I think sprinters do, don't they? They have a sort of golden period. I think I can think of quite a few that have done really well in their early 30s. Yeah, I think um, as training, training. Obviously, you, you look at Linford Christie. He 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 mm. um, won his gold medal. What? Almost going back 25 years ago, 30 years ago, um, at the eight, in his 30s, you know. Um, yeah, so I think there's almost no limit in terms of when you can do well as a sprinter. And I always see myself as someone I didn't start sport till I was 18, 19, eight, 18 years old. So I, I didn't have um, that kind of young, youthful background in the sport. So um, I was a bit of a late bloomer. So I had a few injuries, ups and downs. But um, yeah, I definitely do believe um, there's, I've definitely got more and I could definitely be at my best. And at my best, I'm more than able to, to challenge the world's best. Um, finally, uh, you, you, you must feel there's a medal up for grabs in, in Tokyo with your times. I mean, uh, you, you're feeling confident? Yeah, 100%. Obviously, I've been to the Olympics um, twice now mm. as a semi-finalist. My goal will be to make the final. Once you make the final, you know you're in it. Um, my PB of 9.91 would have got me a medal in Rio had I been at my, uh, had I been able to produce it there. So I know, I know I'm good enough at my best to, to be able to, to pick up a medal. Well, look, we wish you well with the sprint and the bobsleigh. Good to talk to you, James. Thanks very much for joining us. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Andy, your old mate, Salt Bay, is in the news. Yes. I say your old mate, we've, we've never met him or eaten at his restaurant. He's a steakhouse <laughs> no. owner. Yeah, apart, Probably the most famous one, apart from Angus. 
I'd say. <laughs> I don't know if his steaks are better than Angus's. <laughs> I'd say they are. Okay, well that's a, that's, a, that's your opinion, Andy. They don't they don't do the gold foil at the Angus steak. No. <laughs> so basically, uh, this is Salt Bay. He's a, a restaurateur, a very upmarket uh, steak restaurant, and Mamadou Sako of Palace apparently went over to uh, Dubai, and uh, a feeling that they are alleging that he wasn't particularly socially distancing, but um, uh, uh, but he gave Salt Bay a, a Palace shirt. So, um, yeah, nice. Really, what he plans the, to do with that. He's probably got no, quite no, a collection of shirts because <laughs> footballers love going to him, don't they? I love that. Infantino, I was telling you, was there. Yeah. I follow him on Instagram and I'm quite. I did my own versions. I don't know if you've seen yes, them. Yes, I've quite, seen them, Andy. Yeah. yeah, they're quite amusing. He's, he throws uh, the meat in the air and he sort of catches it on a knife and then he sort and of. And he slices it. Throws it around and, then, and sli- It looks like a sort of. Um, it looks like a Looney Tunes <laughs> cartoon the way he does stuff, doesn't it? It's weird. But he's most known for his way of flinging salt on. He, uses yeah. quite a crystal sort and he sort of flings it on the meat and then he goes wow like that for some oh, reason wow where's he from is he from <laughs> Truro or something what's he saying no, that no, for <laughs> no idea he's got the most mate. I mean he works out like mad this bloke he puts he's in these, good nick is he oh he's incredible yeah. nick he'll and, fit that uh, palace shirt uh, well, and I think he's got about uh, eight or nine restaurants now. He's in New York. I mean, he's an incredible success right. story. The prices are eye-watering, and it is fascinating. And there's no, uh, the, I can't see the social distancing judging. What you pl- okay, the- Andy? Have you, have you had a look at the menu? What are you paying for steak and chips at Salt Bay's place? I'm not. I did check out the menu because I, no, I don't know the prices because I don't know what the currency that they're charging. So I couldn't work it out. But he's got this weird thing that he does. He'll cook a big piece of steak, right? Oh yeah, and. You chop it in half and chop it in half and chop it in half, chop it in half, <laughs> chop it in half. No, literally yeah. with his knife, he chops it in half. It's really blood raw. I mean, it's really not that cooked. It's pretty undercooked. And then he gets a piece of. I, I, I finally worked out what it was. I couldn't work out what it is, but it, it's a piece of fat that he deep fries. Wow! And then he sounds he healthy. Puts it in, Oh, yeah. And he puts it in the middle of the two bits of steak, hmm. and that sort of seals the steak inside. He cooks it inside with this hot fat. But it's all, and then it drips every. I mean, honestly, it must be the most unhealthy thing ever. But you can do that sort of thing now and again, can't you? I take it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would go there. If I was in Dubai, I would. would put, I've noticed it's very interesting, actually, since they've come to an arrangement with Israel. It's become very popular with like, really religious Jews going there and eating. Really? I, don't, oh, I wouldn't imagine the meat's that kosher, but there you go. <laughs> Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> few, few of the lads there, so that was good. Um, I saw Romeo Beckham was in the news. And, oh, yeah. Uh, he's, he's a very good-looking boy, and he's landed a modelling job and a, at, uh, and a cover on Italian Vogue. Hmm. I was just thinking, would he have got it, though, if he was Romeo Smith or Romeo Jenkins? Well, I don't would, know. I mean, you know, Kate Moss was just some yeah, sort of kid picked so. up at an airport. You know, if you're good, you're good. And he, he did look it very helps, good, didn't it? he, in the pictures. It does, yeah. it does help, anyway. Uh, happy birthday to Stan Collymore. He's reached uh, 50 today. Oh, wow. So. Happy birthday, Stan. Yeah, I was, still enjoy reading Stan on football. He's still yeah. a very innovative thinker. So that's that's good. Um, what else have we got? Oh, yeah. Do you see Bollywood to make a film about this incredible runner? He's, he's done the London Marathon. His name's Fauja Singh. He's 109. This wow. For, forget Captain Sir Tom, really, honestly. <laughs> You nothing. can't forget Captain Sir Tom Moore. You can't, be, you can't pit one against the other. I'd like to actually, but he's uh, he's only stopped just stopped doing the marathon. I think his his final marathon was in two thousand and eleven when he turned a hundred. Wow. It's incredible. I mean, the records he hold anyway. Bollywood are going to make a film about him. I think it'd be really interesting. He'd still be quicker than the moose, wouldn't he? So uh, I'm looking at the New York Salt Bay menu. There's no oh, price, yeah. no prices on it, Andy. That's uh, that's not a massive. Never, yeah, that would, never, never a good sign. That would. Oh, well, hang on, let's have a look. No, it's not too bad. The the tomahawk. If you want his tomahawk steak, mm-hmm. um, it's uh, highly marbled, much like yourself. Mustard <laughs> marinated. <laughs> Bone-in ribeye, um, two hundred and seventy-five US dollars, which is what about sort of... <laughs> why, so, why so cheap? Well, it, look, it's, it's, it, it was enough for about six people, to be honest. It's massive. Yeah, that, that would but be you went, bit, you I mean, went to, you probably went to the best steak restaurant in New York, didn't you? Peter, what's Peter called? Luger. You Peter Luger. Yeah, now blind. I read, I read a. I know, but I read a review of this, and he, they said that there are plenty of other places you know that you can go to. But look, all credit to the lad; he's done yeah. very, very well, and so uh, good luck to him. I did wonder. Um, like, it's called Peter Luger because um, if you can't pay the bill, <laughs> they put a gun in front of you. <laughs> Probably, but it, no, it was yeah. Anyway, it did look very nice. I remember yeah. you sending me the photos, and uh, Les Holt, with, uh, who writes the Sun on 
an incredibly regular but I don't know why they don't give him a column. He gets a letter published every day, so they might as well give him his own column. But he, he, this is today's letter. He goes, I used to think Lady Gaga was a joke wow. who couldn't sing her way out of a paper bag. No. But a performance at Joe Biden's inauguration, you think, you're an idiot, mate. Why would you think Lady <laughs> Gaga couldn't sing her way out of a paper She was wonderful in the, what's that, the Starry Who can board sing their way out of a paper bag? <laughs> and who's I'll, ever I'll tried? A, I'll give it a try. Who's ever tried to do that? We, we were asking yesterday. No, we don't normally do this, but uh, I, I was on with Max yesterday and, and yeah. we got into these things that uh, you didn't realise till you were quite late in life. And we didn't get around yeah, yeah. to all of them. Things that you really should have known when you were about four years old, but uh, didn't really learn till you were much older. And we had a few of these. A couple of these were very good, and so we didn't get around to them. Uh, Dino from Manchester told us, my cousin a couple of years ago was sat next to me in a car. We saw a magpie. My cousin saluted the magpie and said, one for Zorro. One for Zorro, I said. <laughs> to my amazement, that's what he thought it was. Uh, he's uh, 51 now, he says. Wow. But uh, yeah, one for Zorro. Very well done to him. Also, Ben in Long Stratton uh, said, I used to bumble around the garage with my dad working on various cars. Uh, he used to ask me to shake the um, the cans of uh, spray paint for him. Say, keep shaking it until you can't hear it rattle anymore. Of course, not at all possible, <laughs> as it's the old rattle cans of spray paint. He said, last year at the age of 27, I realised this wasn't possible, and I now feel fairly stupid. So, uh, yeah, we had some very good ones uh, coming in. Also, S. Housery in the lower reaches oh. of football. We asked about, because we found out, uh, Andy, I don't know if you've seen this story, that uh, one uh, club, and no one knows who it is at the moment, have got a pillar, they've put up a fake pillar in the dressing room to get in the manager's eye line when he talks to his players. It means you don't get clear sight lines in the dressing room. So in some dressing room out there, there is a fake pillar that if you sort of tap on, you could possibly even move it. It's not holding up the ceiling. Obviously, make sure uh, before you start taking a sledgehammer to it. But we did ask about uh, S. Housery uh, in the world of uh, the lower reaches. But surely the manager noticed that. Didn't he suddenly go in there one day and say, why is there a pillar? No, in, in the, the away dressing, dressing room. In the away oh. dressing room. It's the, that's what Sorry. the point of it is. Not in the home dressing Why would you... <laughs> Disadvantage your own team. Uh, Rich, the Saints fan, was telling us on uh, Sunday football before kickoff, my mate was told to man mark one of the opposition. At half time, he even went over to join him for the other team's team talk. That's fantastic. And I shared his orange. He never, that's right. Took a bite out of his orange. So, uh, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for all of those. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Tough day for England's uh, bowlers, but they picked up wickets. Uh, Jimmy Anderson and Mark Wood. Uh, a really flat pitch for Mark Wood to bowl on. Not giving him much, but uh, he got a well-deserved wicket. And he's uh, co-presenting a podcast at the moment with our next guest. Um, it's called Middle Please Umpire. And it's uh, comedian and actor, Miles Jupp. Good afternoon, Miles. Afternoon, how are you? Yes, you must have been yeah, good. You must have been chuffed for Woody, really, because it's 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 uh, not really his conditions, but he he kept he kept going. 
Yeah, it looked terrifying out there in terms of just, you know, the heat and just, you know, bowling a nine-over spell like that. So, um, yeah, the wicket that he took there, the LW, that was, well, you could see the relief, I think, on his face. But, yeah, it was, yeah, well-deserved, I think. I've heard the podcast. It's really fun. And, uh, I mean, I suppose, I mean, I was wondering what made you think that he'd be good at doing this, because I know he's fun to watch and he is a cricketer that looks like he really enjoys and loves cricket. But what made you choose him and how did you get together? Well, uh, we we were actually put together by someone else. I had a I don't know a call a few months ago from agent saying you want to do a podcast, and I thought, well, mm-hmm. uh, do I? And, uh, <laughs> and she said, you know, it'd be about cricket. You know, all oh, right. And then they said it'd be you and Mark Wood, and I was like, oh well, well that would be excellent, just out of sheer excitement, to be honest. But then we set it up, we booked it. I hadn't even hadn't actually met him, and then we did the fir- first recording. We did we did an interview with um, David Gower, and um, I yeah, I just went and met him in a cafe, and. Uh, yeah, he's just great fun. He's kind of unguarded as well. I think there's a, you know, in sport, there's that sort of slightly trained aspect to people sometimes mm. and they sit there and say, oh, mm. the spirit in the dressing room is marvellous and, uh, oh, you know, it's all about the right areas and that sort of thing where he just <laughs> says stuff. We did one the other day when he was just, he just sounded so in, so in lockdown, as indeed he is, but it's not like here where you're in your house, he's in a hotel room going slowly mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. sort of like an examination of the mind, really. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, sometimes it's on Zoom, sometimes I get the impression he's just <laughs> lying on his back spouting um, like a sort of, I don't know, Northumbrian Adam Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it, uh, going back to the cricket, I found this quite a strange pitch that they produce. And when you need to win, it looks pretty flat to me. And uh, Angelo Matthews, he looks like he's never going to get out, but he always looks like that against England. But I thought I was a bit surprised. Were you surprised by the state of the pitch? Yeah, I think it's it's odd, isn't it? I mean, they do sometimes, when they get a pitch like that there, it could be, you know, you could play for 15 days on it, I think. So I don't know why that's <laughs> happened. It's what we'd call a chairman's wicket, really, mm. in a sort of English <laughs> yes. county game. Um, you've got to get all your days of play. When you haven't got, you know, they're not getting much ticket revenue out of these. I'm not sure where the, um, where the benefit of it is. But then maybe they know, you know, they know what to do on these surfaces. You know, we're... We're, we're obviously having to work really, really hard, but maybe they've got some tricks up their sleeves that we don't know about. Yeah, seven to two. Sorry, seven four two. We were getting all very excited, but uh, you know, there's two twenty nine for four. It's uh, you know, that's it must feel fairly tough for them to have made the breakthrough so early on and maybe not been able to capitalise on it. But we know we know the reasons why. Yeah, I think so. But I, I think also, you know, it's it's a five day game, and it, mm. I think if we're going to sort of set ourselves to score a lot of runs. Uh, in our first innings, that's the sort of that's the strategy, isn't it? That uh, the Root and Silverwood axis have been going on. Uh, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the sort of middle please umpire hat on really is the job of the other batsmen to lay a foundation so that Mark Wood can come out and play some. <laughs> play some <laughs> strokes, really, yeah. Well, again, it's fun to watch. But uh, for cricket lovers, though, I think the treat of the week has been India against Australia. India beating Australia. It's always good to see them lose. <laughs> what an incredible! What an incredible series! I just, I, I didn't. I, on during the night, so I just watched the highlights. But I don't know if you saw it, Miles. But some brilliant yeah, yeah. stuff. Well, it's that, that great thing is there, where someone seems really sort of they seem down in the dirt and that kind of thing of just having been really written off. You know, they've got a lot of key personnel missing. Coley is such a figure, so the idea of him not being there. You know, as Australia thought, well, when we didn't have Smith and Warner, we weren't very good. Surely they're not going to be very good without Coley. And just. I, I suppose because when Australia get beaten, they they just sort of look really beaten, don't they? That thing, that thing where Nathan Lyon sort of collapses and into a sort of end of yoga position, and just sort of you know the sort of fury and frustration. Uh, I suppose a lot of that body language that we saw towards the end of um, Headingley in 2019. But that is a, that is a, that is a series for the ages. That one really, I think, just this year, you know, it's the sort of it could be the plot line of a sort of. Slightly amusing British film, couldn't it? Mm. Yeah, oh. I, I think it, I think England are going to have a big problem. It's on Talksport, and I'm looking forward to it. But I think it's they've got a big problem against India. India got two full teams; they're absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And anybody thinks that the IPL doesn't prepare you for Test cricket? Just have a look at some of these kids who've done brilliant in the IPL and played brilliantly in this series. But also the whole of that game as well. It's not just it's not just the sort of bowling and batting, but the way what the IPL has done to people's fielding. I mean, there's sort of extraordinary things we see on the boundary these days that are kind of 
their regulation now. The idea, you know, it would be unbelievably memorable, someone to sort of stop a six and tap it back over and someone else catch it. That seems to happen about twice a game now. <laughs> you know, they've just taken the whole game to a completely different, completely different level. You had, uh, you had Johnny Bairstow on, on the recent uh, podcast as well, Miles, and uh, amongst the chat you were having, Mark, there was also the, the revelation that uh, when you were doing Balamori back in the day, you had a little mm. bit of cricket uh, on the set, didn't you? You had a, a framed photograph of a former England skipper. That's right, yeah. I had my my, uh, my hero, Michael Atherton. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if he knew that he was in many, many episodes of that particular programme. <laughs> yeah, I think just the set designer very nicely said, is there anything you want in the... Um, uh, anything else you want on the set? And I said, oh, yeah, why don't you stick up a photo of, um, uh, uh, you know, Michael Atherton... Uh, they probably had to Google, um, but I, I was going, come on. Uh, although the other thing is, there was another frame photograph, and then the other frame was um, Tommy Sheridan, who was at the time the leader of the SSP and then went to prison for perjury. So, um, you know, it's good, it's good and bad. Interesting, yeah, bad interesting bad. lineup of photographs. There we are. <laughs> two, two, I've always assumed kindred spirits. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So, um, when when this is the end of the first series of the podcast, is it? So you're reconvening again with with Mark, are you, uh, to do a second series soon? Yeah, I think it, we'll, we'll we'll sort of try and do them in blocks. Really, that we'll have that kind of thing where it's like we're going to keep doing these even if you're not listening. <laughs> sort of um, <laughs> mentality that can develop if you're not careful. He's got to go to India. He's got he's not. Well, what's he being rotated, rested, the first couple of tests? Mm. Uh, he'll presumably require surgery of some sort um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and some rehabilitation. Um, and I'll need to spend more time sort of lying on the sofa, sighing about homeschooling. Uh, and then, and then when we're both refreshed, yeah, we'll, we'll come at it again. Brilliant. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. We do recommend them. They're all available wherever you get your podcasts. So, Miles, good to talk to you as always. What else are you up to at the moment? I suppose, were you mid-project or you due to be yeah, doing something? Well, I, was, I was going to be doing a play at the RSC all of last year, and that's sort of been shunted about. I'm doing some writing work. I've got a book out in um, August and trying to develop some other TV stuff. But, I, you know, I've, we're homeschooling our five children at the moment, wow. so... If an email comes suggesting I've got to do anything, it seems, it seems like an impossibility, to be honest. Oh. Well, look, we wish you well. I, I should just say that yeah. I loved your book. We, we interviewed about it. You, I interviewed you about it at the time. Fibber in the Heat. Is, I recommend it to people if you've, if you've never read it. Yeah, it's, uh, oh, the, kind. Thank the, you. The Thank art you of blagging. It's, uh, it's good stuff. Yeah. So, <laughs> cheers, Miles. Good to talk to you. Thanks, guys. Nice to speak to you. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Time then to look at a week of sport on TV. TV, as always, in the company of squad number nine, Martin Kellner. Good afternoon, Martin. Good afternoon to you, boys. You OK? Yeah, we're not too bad, Martin. Yeah, What's tickled your fancy yeah. this week? Well, Amazon Prime's big uh, show, or at least it's one of their uh, major tickets at the moment, One Night in Miami. Mm. Uh, the night being February the 25th, 1964. Oh, yeah. I plan to course... watch this over the weekend, so I'm looking forward to see what you made of it all. It's great. It's great. You'll you'll enjoy it uh, mm. immensely. I mean, it did oh, have... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a meeting between uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, Jim Brown, you know, the NFL star later in movies like The Dirty Dozen, uh, Sam Cooke, of course, brilliant soul singer, and uh, Malcolm X. Uh, and they all meet up after, um, after Muhammad Ali had beaten uh, Sonny Liston in the convention hall there in Miami, February 25th, 1964. You'll remember um, Sonny Liston was slumped on his seat, failed to come out for the uh, eighth round, and uh, Muhammad Ali, beca- or Cassius Clay, as he was then, yeah. became uh, the world champion at the age of uh, 22. So, a, and basically, they all meet up afterwards, which I've checked on the internet. They did, maybe yeah. not quite in the circumstances that it has. You know, these sort of uh, films, like it's rather like The Crown. Yeah, you know, they mess they mess around with the chronology of the whole thing. Mm. But um, in principle, it happened, and it's really interesting. It's, it's like a conversation between the four of them. Uh, and where they are in the struggle against racial inequality, if you like, in uh, in the States. So Sam Cooke is, uh, as we know, Sam Cooke was a very smooth singer uh, before he made... They changed the chronology, so this is before he made a change is going to come, which right. was his statement on, um, you know, on segregation, etc. in the States. So it was before that, but of course they changed the timing and they put it after that. And it's the four of them uh, basically 
talking we because I mean, it was a stage play initially mm. so it's very talky it's not you know no car chases or anything like that <laughs> but it's uh, it's a it's a really interesting movie and especially if you you know if you know the characters and some of the stories you'll know you see um oh. ali in this talking about gorgeous george the wrestler mm. that he took his sort of little all his shtick from um, in the early, so he tells those stories. Apparently, he talks about Rocky Marciano and Joe Louie being at the fight, and he's, uh, you know, he's very much the, you know, the showman and the bragger and all that sort of so all that we knew um, Cassius Clay was before he became Muhammad Ali. And of course, on the next day, he uh, announces the fact that he's joined the Nation of Islam, which uh, Malcolm X at the time was, uh, you know, was was moving for, and obviously it was a huge um, a huge step. Uh, for them, so I, I like the warning at the start. The you know before the film starts, there's a warning. It says, uh, "Warning: sexuality, violence, drug use, foul language." I thought, "Thank goodness, no flashing images." <laughs> <But it> was... <laughs> As a sidebar, Martin, I know you uh, watched the Liston documentary. That I think it was the thirty yeah. for thirty. That that oh, will be brilliant. worth watching after. It's a fascinating documentary as well. Yeah. yeah, totally, totally. I mean, as you know, in the but this obviously is not a documentary; it's a drama, mm. so it plays plays with the facts a wee bit. But well worth seeing. No. And the interesting thing was, I, I switched from that um, over to Sky. I was watching; um, I was probably going to watch a, another football match. Too much football on TV. <laughs> <laughs> too, oh, eight, seven, know, one, seven. Yeah, yeah right. way, way too much full. Because when you're going once a week, you sort of think to yourself, well, you know, one week is a good match, and another week is eh, not so good, and then there'll be a sensational match, and it's not all nicely spread out. But now you're watching so many matches, and it's a lot of them are very disappointing. Um, on which subject I'd like to say, I'd like to actually bury uh, the West Ham way. We don't care anymore. The West, you know, we're seventh of the league. Forget the West Ham way. Well, that has now been, had its official internment. Uh, and nobody cares. Um, <laughs> however, anyway, we're switching over to uh, to watch the footy. And up on Sky Docos, I might have met Sky Documentaries, I might have mentioned this before, uh, Ali meets Dick Cavett. Yes, I've, uh, I've right. watched this as well. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's very good. Excellent. I've seen it too. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, brilliant talk show host. And he had Ali on a heck of a lot. He used to have Woody Allen on. He was sort of like the, the hip talk show host hmm. uh, in, in the States at the time. Um, and I just thought it was interesting, going back to One Night in Miami, Jim Brown, of course, the NFL star, became a huge movie star. Um, and he was in The Dirty Dozen, lots and lots of other films after that. You know, action movie star. And uh, Dick Cavett is asking Ali, and this time it'll be about the early 70s, when there was all that black exploitation uh, thing, you know, Shaft and all those movies yeah. uh, were around at the time. And he, uh, Dick Cavett asked Ali, you know, have you thought of going into movies? And he said, yeah, every movie I get offered, it's black guys going around, you know, with all the bling and the big Cadillac and the jewellery and all that, and they're always gangsters or something like that. He said, I'm not going into movies until they make me Charlton Heston. That's the sort of movie <laughs> I want to make. And it, it gives you an idea of just how Ali, you know, which is covered in the film, really, how sort of Ali was wise about, you know, about racial stereotypes and all that. And, uh, you know, those, if you've not seen those on Sky documentaries, those uh, sort of chat shows between Dick Cavett and uh, Muhammad Ali. And there is one, really, Martin, where we spoke, to, we spoke to Michael Parkinson about this when, when he came in. Parkinson, on it, he, yeah. he goes over and does, I think it was, was it around the Frazier fight? He, does he get involved in that conversation? But yes, one of the does. Frazier fights, yeah, and he's there on the sofa, isn't he, mm. with, with Dick Cavett and, and Arlene right. Frazier. It's, uh, it's like a sort, of, a, a sort of transatlantic chat show thing they were doing. Yeah, well, I mean, Dick Cavett, a big admirer of him, and, uh, you know, he would be savvy enough to know that, that following the interview that Parkey did over here with Ali, that Parkey would be a good guest to have on that, and, mm. uh, and he was, it's brilliant. Um, I also watched um, Thierry Henry, Inspirations, which... <laughs> Following on for the same thing, he was talking about... It sounds um, like his new range of aftershave. <laughs> or chocolate, does, I yeah, thought. Or chocolate, yeah. Quite Thierry possibly, yeah. inspiration's delicious. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it was... It, 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 again, it was an interesting show because he was talking about... You know, it's a sort of series that uh, crops up all the time on Sky. They're just like... Uh, 
quarter an hour, half hour programs, but um, he's talking about the people that influenced him. And uh, amazingly, again, Muhammad Ali was an absolute huge influence on him, mm. as I suppose he would be on pretty well any black sportsman. But um, Terry Henry, who you think of, you know, very much in terms of Vavavoom and being, uh, you know, being much admired and uh, being a bit of a sex symbol and all that. Um, but in this, probably 40, 50% of the show is him talking about uh, racism and, and what, you know, even a star like he uh, felt, you know, joining the French international team and the fact that he mixed with the people who were, you know, f from the former French colonies and all that, rather than uh, all mixing um, generally. You know, oh, he wow. said it was a sort of clique system there mm. uh, when he became an international in France. So and that, that's, that's on Sky, is that, Martin, you said it's on... That's that? on Sky, there's yeah. loads of those <clears throat> inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether they're called inspirations or icons. I think they're called icons. Right, actually. okay. <laughs> Maybe inspirations just a bit is, is the perfume. So, yes. um, <laughs> so tonight you're back overnight uh, for uh, I am. Tonight, we have live, live sport, don't forget, at four o'clock in the morning. We'll be uh, linking up with John Norman. He'll obviously be watching the... Um, cricket. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. he'll be previewing the cricket for us. Uh, so we have that as well as all of the other uh, exciting yeah. stuff. The following night, you've got the UFC and keep an eye on that. UFC, as well as the, yeah. Oh, blimey, it's more live sport. Overnight, well, there isn't, but you know what I mean. There will be some um, live sport for you to get stuck so. into. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks, Martin. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Well, we finish, uh, as usual, looking at some of the non-sporting TV uh, this weekend. And as always, Brighton supporting... Star TV Daily Star. He's a star anyway. It is. Uh, it is Mike Ward. Good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon, guys. Uh, now, uh, as you say, uh, are we all in the mood for a subtitled Danish true crime drama from HBO? Do you know what? I'm. I'm, I'm not entirely. I'll be honest. <laughs> this is the investigation that starts on BBC Two tonight. I've only watched a little bit of it. I'll, I'll be honest, but. I don't know. I think I'm getting increasingly superficial and shallow in my tastes. And anything that involves A, a heavy commitment and B, you know, quite a lot of gloom. I don't know. I just, for, for some reason or other, I just don't want gloom. I want a lot of shallow escapism at the moment. Okay. What about the knitwear? Oh, yeah. What about the knitwear? Yeah, but yeah. You, can, you can pick up a bit of Danish from the subtitles, uh, you know. So do you know how, if you want to sort of, as a chat-up line, for example, do you know how many homicides I've worked on? You know, get your wow. notepad out and you can uh, you can recall that. Try that one in the next speed day yes. event if they ever have another one. Yes. Yeah, you may, maybe some lighter relief could be our old mate Lee Mackin not going out at oh, 9.30. Yeah. You say uh, this is Lee reacting that uh, it's, his dad's getting engaged. Is this is this the late, great Bobby Ball? It is the late, oh. great Bobby Ball, yeah. His, the storyline is that he, he announces his engagement and, and Lee is suspicious. And I won't spoil the whole thing, but let's just say that the storyline involves him put, putting on some prosthetics, oh. which uh, it, it's quite scary and very effective, you know, <clears throat> I mean... Normally, you, you, I mean, I associate really elaborate prosthetics with that thing they do on Anton Deck's Saturday Night Takeaway, mm. where you always think, it's Anton Deck. Yeah. Why can't you guys yeah. see it's Anton Deck? <laughs> but uh, see, here it's quite... He looks nothing I'm, like him, OK. That's yeah, it's, it's quite weird. But Series series 11, uh, which is... Uh, I watched the first one. The stand, yeah. He's kept the standard up brilliantly, I think. He has kept the standard up brilliantly. And and it's sort of, uh, as the series goes on, there are certain... certain um, I wouldn't say it gets serious, but there's certain sort of scenes in it where you kind of feel that the, the, the domestic setup becomes quite tense at times. So there's still the sort of throwaway gags and the, so that whole sort of style of it. But occasionally you sort of think, oh, it's, it's quite edgy here. So you wonder whether there's, there's, there's something there that's almost wanted to break out into something a bit more intense, you know, in future series or, or some sort of spin-off, I don't know. Well, there's another BBC uh, for Music Night. This time it's Neil Diamond. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Sweet Caroline is... Um, I mean, bit of a sporting anthem, isn't it? The it boxing, is. especially. It yeah, is, yeah, it is, and, and the cricket, mm. of, yeah, course. of course. I was, yeah, yeah. yeah, and and the, <clears throat> the bit. And mm. I think when Neil Diamond um, has performed it in, in recent years, he leaves the bit. He needs that yeah. gap for people to sing the bum bum bum. Yeah. So good, so good, so good. Which I don't think was in the original, was it? <laughs> it wasn't. No, it's it's a bit like uh, uh, living next door to Alice. Yes, That's, <laughs> got slightly misappropriated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, there's a whole evening of that stuff. So. You've got okay. Neil Diamond at the BBC, Glastonbury 2008, Electric Prom, and then uh, cover versions of Neil Diamond stuff. Oh. I can't actually list that many off the top of my head, but oh. then somebody lists them to me. I think, oh, yeah, he did that as well, didn't he? Did you tell us last week that Glenn Hoddle was the grandfather <laughs> clock in the master? Oh, yeah. No. Because <laughs> the clue the clue it kept giving was uh, re referred to the keeper. They used the ah. expression keeper quite a lot. So You I thought it was, was Schultz, did you? 
Well, Peter Shilton was one suggestion. Mm. David Seaman was one suggestion. Right. Uh, David James was another suggestion. Right. Ian Walker. Okay, that's right. You, you threw that one at us, didn't you? Anything yeah. interested yeah. in, in China. Shanghai. Yeah. Well, I made yes. it difficult. But yeah, I tell you what, actually, you could tell because <clears> if you dig out the old clip of him and, and Chris Waddle doing Diamond Lights on top of the pops in whatever year that was, yeah. he does a certain dance. And if you watch the grandfather clock dance when he's still got the, the, the head on, and then you compare his dancing on that, it's almost identical. So if you knew, if you're an expert on Glenn Hoddle's dance moves, you'd have picked it out you know, weeks yeah. ago. Now that's, it's uh, very popular, this show. Isn't it? I've yeah, never seen yeah. it, but it's, it's doing very well. Popular. It yeah. is, yeah. I, my wife hates it, so I, I, I try and watch it at least three times every weekend. 7pm <laughs> ITV. Uh, 8.30 on BBC Two is another one of these uh, celebrity um, holidays. Uh, it must be tremendous. This is Jack D. Really, really? Sent to Siberia. Yeah. When, we, when we were doing TV Burp, I said we had a bit with Harry. He has two dice, yeah. and he, we, he said he'd nick them from ITV. And one has the name of a bunch of celebrities, so you roll it, and it says Dawn yeah. French, and then yeah. you roll the other one, it says Nepal. Yeah. And there, hey, presto, you've got about six weeks' worth of telly. I think this is what this... This was actually... This was shown years ago. Mm. Uh, I mean, there's... Um, I noticed uh, coming up next week, they're re-showing a Paul Merton trip to China, which was on six, uh, 16... Yeah, 16, 15 years That's ago. It's a very right. strange thing to do. Very Weird, strange, particularly because China. They're going to look... Jack D's going to look very different as well. Yeah, and who the hell cha- He hasn't changed to... much. I saw him on the telly. He doesn't look any different. He's pretty ageless, really. Really he is pretty ageist. Must have been a little bit less hair, but apart yeah. from that, yeah. And, and you know, it's basically some bloke moaning about the cold. Which so I'll be watching that one. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, eight thirty. A repeat from two thousand and two. Yeah. Right, you know, straightened times. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Jack D sent to Siberia. So on Sunday, uh, what have we got? We've got dancing on ice again, Mike. Yeah, um, we've got the uh, uh, so Graham Bell is now with uh, Karina Mand. I'm going to read out the names of all the. No, I'm not actually. I was going to say I read out the names of the skating <laughs> partners. I have yeah. no idea who any of these people are. Karina Manta is standing in for for the um, his original partner who, who got, after who that, got, yeah cut uh, a leg, didn't she? Oh, Graham was talking oh, to us about it last yes. week. Yes. Oh, Yebin Mock. Yebin Mock's out. She's, she's going to be out for the foreseeable, I think, after yeah. the nasty mm. uh, injury. But that's six p.m. ITV and, and goes, Dance, yeah, goes dancing on for nice. or, or twenty four hours in A and E, as I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> Goes on for literally hours. Yeah. And uh, um, you're not trumped out. There is another Trump show. I've actually seen this because it's been on the iPlayer for a few days, but it's it's the final chapter. It's the Trump show, which has been a series throughout his time as president. Yeah. This is downfall, effectively, this rather is, this, ominously. Yes. This is the yeah. epilogue. This is the bit that sort of then yeah. adds the sort of final chapter, which, of course, we all know about, but it puts, puts in the context of the show, which was originally shown a few months ago and uh, brings, it, brings the story to I mean, to quite a, a lot of people that work with him um, during the, the presidency uh, kind of show up for this as talking yeah. heads. So it is, it is fascinating stuff. And just very quickly, Incredible Journey, Simon Reeve, if you, if you, if you want to see a bit more of the world. Uh, his shows are normally pretty good. It's, it's very good, yeah. 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 And it's, it's all, this is a greatest hits kind of thing, a bit like Michael Palin did a few, uh, a few weeks ago. So it's looking back at some of his trips, which are obviously quite intense, but he's a very, very kind of good companion he's, he's he's very accessible and uh and but adventurous at the same time excellent that's 8 p.m on bbc2 on sunday thank you mike good stuff we'll catch up with you soon cheers guys the hawksby and jacobs daily podcast from talk sport there we are that was this afternoon's show don't forget uh you can download the clips of the week podcast as well from where you got this podcast if you would like to take uh, a listen to that uh, andy you are back with me on monday yeah, hopefully, yep. Fantastic. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll be reflecting all the FA Cup games. Loads of them on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. Uh, enjoy all the sport, especially the football. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.